0: Hello, listeners, and welcome to another edition of the InQtel podcast. And on today's show, we'll have a couple of guests with us, Tom Gillespie as well as Kevin Schaefer. Tom is a partner here at Incutel. He's also a co-founder of Cosmic Works, which is one of our InQtel labs, an open source lab dedicated to better understanding commercial space capabilities on behalf of our customers. He also specializes in investments in the commercial space industries, robotics, autonomy, as well as data analytics. And also on the show today, we have Kevin Schaefer. He's a member of technical staff here at in He's focused on space and sensors. And both of these gentlemen have done quite a bit of research uh, in the space industry in general, commercial space, rocket launches, uh, satellite constellations. And so the title of today's episode is The Commercial Space Between Us, where the three of us will talk a lot about the various things we've all heard about in the news, uh, read about in research, and talk about what's hype and what's real. Um, Tom, Kevin, you guys, you guys want to say hi?
1: Hi, Vishal. Nice to be with you.
0: Hello. Gentlemen, thank you for your time today. All right, so let's get started, guys. Uh, First and foremost, uh, tell me a little bit about the context behind uh, commercial space. Why is it important now? And what are the different aspects
1: of the industry that people should be aware of? So uh, commercial space is is interesting for us. Um, You can think about the intelligence community. Um, get
2: Not necessarily the same capability, but capability at a cheaper price, which is compelling to both the commercial and government morals for certain purposes.
0: I see when it, when it comes to space uh, or when it comes to satellite constellations, um, is, is is there new the newly found interest uh, in the venture or in the startup space primarily driven by sort of the uh, the advent of smaller, lighter, cheaper, and,
1: and more perhaps more accessible rocket launches uh, yeah, that's that's a good summary. Um, there's a little bit more to it than that, but in general, um, it doesn't cost as much to create this capability and put it up um, as it did a number of years ago. And so it's sort of fallen into the realm of the venture capital uh, funding level. So you know, this is not an area that that VCs were looking at maybe 10 years ago. Over the last several years though, they're recognizing that um, it is something that could be sort of on a venture funding level. um, And you can get these things up for not nearly as much money as you might have uh, previously. And so when it comes to the the state of affairs right now in the
0: the commercial arena, um, are we seeing large companies? Are we seeing mostly startups? Are we seeing a mix of both? Uh, without getting too specific into any individual company I, outside of governments where is most of the activity being uh, being done
2: so it's largely a mix and it's really you can trace it back to the various knowledge networks over the past 50 years previously it was all concentrated within government eventually those personnel migrated to other larger companies, and now you're seeing those larger companies migrate into medium companies, somebody like a SpaceX, and then eventually you have the people fall out to smaller companies like the launch vehicle startups and the small sat constellations. So it's a completely different ecosystem than it was when NASA first started where it was purely concentrated within the government Right.
0: L- let me ask you a sort of a, a non sequitur. I- when it comes to sort of uh, this, this this new space race, I guess, that we could talk about, do we need to be concerned about stuff floating around in space? Is there going to be more things up in the air that would, I mean, what does this mean for just sort of the eco the ecosphere? I guess?
2: It's, it's absolutely a concern. So you take something like low-Earth orbit, so that's the same type of orbit the space station is in. There's a lot of items up there currently. They may or may not be monitored, so that's actually another area of companies that are pursuing to track the various debris and satellites in orbit to hopefully avoid a collision. I'm sure most most people are familiar with the movie Gravity, it's a little bit unrealistic, but at the same time, that is what could happen if we have one of these collisions that compounds itself in that low Earth orbit.
0: Okay, well, I don't want to get too much into doom and gloom. I going to stay focused on the, the positive nature of this. Let's, let's talk a little bit about commercial applications. Uh, off the top of my head, I can think about a few things that I think space satellite constellations help out with uh, in current day uh, to some varying regard. Uh, number one, broadband access. Number two, perhaps mobile comms, our cell phones and whatnot. Um, what, what are we seeing as, uh, as more and more satellite constellations are developed and sent into space, what, what, are they go, what use cases
1: will they really serve, or, or perhaps better? So I, I think they're largely at this point around two different use cases. One is broadly defined remote sensing, um, and the second piece is, you know, to your point, communications. So we're seeing a lot of things getting funded in those two areas primarily.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. And then ultimately it gets pegged back to if and when they're actually going to be up there in orbit. So Tom alluded to the business cases. There has to be a business plan on the back end. And there are numerous boxes that have to be checked to go from a PowerPoint presentation to an actual operating constellation.
0: Right. So let's let's talk a little bit about getting to an operating constellation. Um- when it comes to business case, uh, what is it? let's talk about cost first. What does it take to even put a constellation together? How, how much goes into it, both in terms of cash and actual uh,
1: small satellites? And what does it take to get it up into space? I'll give you a generic two-pronged answer, sure. which is it's cheaper than it used to be, and it's more expensive than anybody thinks it is right now. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a range of uh, it depends what any company's doing and how many satellites they're putting up and how big those satellites are. You know, these can be any, anywhere from sort of tiny 3U satellites um, and doing a constellation in the case of, of Planet or Spire or, or well-known companies like that. These could be, they may be putting up 100 or 200 of these uh, and on up in the numbers. Uh, OneWeb is doing, what, last count, maybe 800 or more. Mm-hmm. Um, so these things are, the numbers are getting pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just depends what each, each of the different use cases is for and how much you want to spend on each satellite. I, I think the range can be anywhere from, say 30 or 50 million to on up to billions of dollars in the case of something like, like OneWeb. I see.
2: And then it's, it's largely conditional on decisions that have to be made as you're planning out what you're going to do. Someone can come up with an idea for a satellite and then ultimately you're gonna have make-buy decisions along the way. Are you gonna develop your ha- sensor in-house? Are you gonna buy it from somebody else? Are you gonna try and cut corners as far as uh, a risk assessment standpoint relative to the way things have previously done? which is gonna cost you money on the back end somewhere. And Mm -hmm. then ultimately, you're gonna need something to launch these satellites into space as well. And currently, while there are new launch vehicles out there, it does not fill the entire manifest of all the planned constellations in the future. So everyone's positioning for the exact same satellite launches. And should one of those go down, it's gonna delay everybody's business plan, which again, is gonna cost money.
0: Uh, and uh, not to get into doomsday again, but if, if one of these does go down, uh, who's left holding the bag, I guess, when it comes to uh, an entire constellation that's been uh, developed in terms of time and money? Um, you know, there's a business on the line here. If constellation doesn't make it up into space. Are we talking about a company potentially
1: going under? Uh, or who- so, so I don't think it, it, it's usually not, you know, you're not putting your entire constellation on one rocket that might or might not make it. It's, mm-hmm. uh, these are usually spread out. Um, but anything—if anything, anything fails—it does delay these companies, and, and they can't deploy the constellations as, as quickly as they like, and that has business ramifications. The ramifications we're seeing them right now, where companies have trouble getting access to launch, even on just delays. There's a SpaceX launch that's uh, probably almost a year delayed, and it's got a lot of the small set industry on it, and that has ramifications in terms of um, what you know, how you raise money, uh, what milestones you're able to hit, what valuation you can get. Um, as that gets pushed back, it. it puts these companies a little bit in jeopardy. So it's not just about the rocket blowing up or not. Right. Uh,
0: so I, I certainly understand uh, space is hard in terms of even getting stuff into, into orbit uh, via, via rocket launch. Um, do you guys think there's more companies on the way that'll do transport anymore? Any I, I know that there's two or three names that come across my mind when I think about rocket launches. Um, but it sounds like there's a greater need or a greater demand for more, for more and more of these transport companies. Where, where do you guys think that's going?
2: I, I, personally, I don't see that anytime time in the near term. The business case for that um, very much has not been validated yet, how these companies are going to make money. To me, it makes more sense to focus on delivering products in the interim from, again, I mentioned risk earlier. There's certain standards you have to apply when you start putting a human on board a launch vehicle versus cargo, and that, again, drives up the cost, so that's not necessarily an area that's going to be very well serviced by the startup world. Maybe people with a lot of cash in their pocket will be able to do that, but that's going to be very minimal relative to the overall field, I
0: would say.
1: It's, it's going to be interesting to see how the launch market shakes out, because we're seeing, on the one hand, I think we've met with probably 30 different companies that are talking about small set launchers. Um, not all those companies are going to make it, obviously, but there is a market for them to, to be around. Um, on the flip side, you know, a lot of the valuations in, in launch and elsewhere in this, in this segment have gotten pretty high pretty fast. And then you have to really justify that with with what you're doing on the business side. And I think, to Kevin's point, we're not entirely sure that um, the uh, the numbers add up to to the valuations in, in, in support of those. We'll Fairly. If- let's
0: let's switch gears real quickly and talk about uh, regulation. So we, we've talked a little bit about uh, business case. We've talked about some of the risks associated with uh, uh, with with satellites and space, uh, both in for for business as well as people. Um, who's protecting us? I guess in terms of uh, hey, there are certain rules, certain standards or guidelines that need to be in place when even considering putting up a constellation in space. Are there any governing bodies, uh, and what can you tell us about, any sort of rules that they might be
2: imposing? So the answer is yes and no. So in America, it is a pretty level playing field, as far as American companies go. There are certain steps they have to check off that they're putting items the space, but the FAA and FCC have a say in those. The problem really lies, and that regulation is imposed in America, which can maybe be a hurdle to some of these companies. So in some instances, it makes more sense for them to go overseas and start their own company where they're not necessarily subject to those restrictions.
0: I see. And let me ask you guys uh, just about something really fun real quickly. Uh, So there's certainly the concept of orbit uh, and satellites. What about space travel? Uh, You guys know anything about, uh, you know, Virgin Galactic, for example, promises the ability to go to Mars at some point in the future. Uh, What's the current state of affairs with uh, space tourism?
1: So I know space tourism, uh, you've got Virgin looking at it. Um, you've also got Blue Origin. Uh, there are other folks that are out there thinking about doing it. Right now, they're really just talking about going to low Earth orbit, and I think that's even, even that's just for a, a couple of minutes. So it's on the horizon in terms of just going up to low Earth orbit. Um, I don't know when deep space travel for tourists is going to really happen. Okay, fair enough. I just thought I'd ask the,
0: uh, ask the fun question. Um, back no, to constellation. Elon Musk may prove me wrong. So <laughs> fair, we'll enough. fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, tell me a little bit about, uh, let's start with the launch plans. So uh, there's certainly the concept of rideshare versus uh, dedicated in order to get into orbit. What are some of the benefits, uh, pros and cons perhaps associated with uh, picking each, each one of those if you're looking to put a constellation in space? So really the only benefit to
2: rideshare currently is that it exists. Uh, a lot of the dedicated launches haven't come to fruition yet, but ultimately that should be the route that these smaller companies go. So when you're planning in orbit geographically where you launch from, largely uh, dictates where your orbit's going to be. And as you're planning out these larger 30, 60 satellite constellations, you need them all in different orbits in order to get the coverage of what you're trying to accomplish. With a ride share, you're just along for the ride, as it says, you're going to go to whatever orbit that primary satellite was going to, and if it doesn't work for you, too bad. So it might be cheap, it might be available today, but you might not be able to accomplish your end item goals for what you're trying to do with your constellation. I see.
0: What is it? Uh, what is it that comes to mind when you think about international? Uh, so certainly, you both have spent a lot of time looking into the commercial space market. Uh, my presumption is that you spent a lot of time looking into the U.S. space market. But uh, what can you speak to when it
1: comes to international? How is uh, how's the rest of the world faring? So the, the U.S. is still pretty dominant in terms of uh, the commercial space sector. It's uh, a lot of the activity is happening here. A lot of the funding is happening here. Um, having said that, you know things are dynamic all over the all over the globe. So China's looking pretty seriously at different aspects of commercial space, obviously pretty heavy government hand in, in some of these things, so they're kind of uh, commercial in quotes. Um, interesting players are emerging um, that you wouldn't expect, like Luxembourg is, is putting a lot of money into funding space-related companies, um, not traditionally space power. Uh, I'd put the UAE in the same bucket, where they're at, you know, there's a lot of activity there. You wouldn't think of them as doing much in space. Um, Europe is pretty active. I think some of the European companies in general have trouble getting funded, and so a lot of them come to the U.S. for funding, but, uh, but there's a lot of activity there as well.
0: When it comes to uh, various use cases, we, we talked about um, when I brought up the use cases I was familiar with, you, we talked about comms and we talked about imagery perhaps. Uh, are, are international players interested in roughly the same things, and if so, do we risk just redundancy of the things that are up in space? I mean, do we really need to have four or five constellations that do the same exact thing for the entire globe?
2: I think there's a couple ways of answering that question. Um, If some is good, more is better. So for communications, certainly the entire world is not covered by satellite communications. So there's always room for growth there. Imagery, for the most part, people's day-to-day use of that would be through an interface like Google Maps. But there remains to be seen if there's other use cases for that, which it might be a chicken and egg situation. That imagery is not here yet, so people don't know what to do with it. But at some point, we will encroach upon a redundancy but I think until those business plans get sorted out, we're definitely not in that realm yet.
1: I, I think let me just jump in there. I think one of the challenges right now for the um, venture-backed commercial sector is that you see a lot of companies that are sort of targeting the same thing on the imaging side and, and talking about the same markets. You know, we're going to sell to hedge funds. We're going to sell to agriculture, oil and gas, et cetera. Um, I think there's a step beyond that that maybe hasn't been thought that, about that deeply where, you know, what are you going to be selling to them? How, how, how much are they going to pay? Um, how are they going to use it? And I think that's kind of where we need to go next in order to justify some of these, uh, you know, some of these rounds of, of funding and, and evaluations, et cetera. So that piece, I think, is still a little bit TBD.
0: Mm-hmm. Is, is there any uh, heightened awareness or maybe anxiety, uh, nervous energy around uh, just the increase in, in imagery or the, uh, perhaps the, the increase in the amount of satellites up, up, up top taking pictures of the Earth? Or are we concerned from just sort of a uh, reconnaissance perspective?
2: There's definitely a concern. It, it used to be, you know, 30 years ago, only certain people had access to overhead imagery. Nowadays, eventually, you're going to reach a point where you can order an image that has some timely nature and give it delivered to your desktop immediately. Um, what's done with that information remains to be seen, but it's certainly a concern.
1: We, we've seen business plans where they're they're um, actually focused on um, real-time video anywhere on the earth. You know, mm-hmm. it's not here yet, but there are people out there looking to get plans like that funded.
0: So we're so. working on it. When it comes to funding, let's talk real quickly about uh, business plans. So you two spend a lot of time assessing the viability perhaps of a lot of these types of businesses. Um, to you, what makes a successful uh, idea or a successful business plan around uh, someone playing in the constellation or commercial space industry?
1: So it gets back a little bit to the point I was making before, which is um, you see a lot of these plans that have kind of the same general high level approach, and I think what I'm looking for is, is the step beyond that where how much do you really know about the market they're approaching you know what t- talk to me about the customers that you're anticipating how much are they really going to pay how are they going to use it um and is that sort of a justifiable business justifiable business case um i think we've seen some of that uh detail but not not a lot and, and even with the, the, fu- the companies have gotten a lot of funding to date
2: yeah and there's a fall under that in a lot of situations what we see is kind of the traditional step one step two step three profit where a lot of those details haven't been filled at. So I like to focus on the technical side of things. Sometimes they're saying they're gonna plan this great constellation with this amazing sensor, but they have no plan to actually develop that sensor, and there's nowhere they can buy it for for the price point they're looking at. So we constantly have to sift through those details to make sure it actually makes sense. For the most part, if they have, are leveraging existing structures uh, from a business and technical
0: standpoint, they're in a much better position to succeed. Excellent. That makes a lot of sense. Kevin and Tom, our time is almost up. Um, I'd like to open it up to you to see if I've perhaps not asked you something that you'd like to mention about I, today's topic.
1: I just want to um, maybe talk a little bit about the, the theme in general, which is sort of hype versus reality, and and do it on two levels. One is on the just on the commercial side and then also on the government side. On the commercial side, um, you've got a lot of promise here. This is a legitimate market. It's going to play out over the course of time, and it's a real thing. Um, there's a lot of hype at the same time, and so is it going to justify all the all the early companies have gotten large rounds of funding and large valuations, and they're the ones that're first off the mark. We'll see, and there's a lot behind them as well. Uh, so I think there's going to be a shakeout on the commercial side, but but you know ultimately there're going to be some winners, and I think it's going it's it's a real thing. So we'll keep making progress in commercial space. Right now it's on in within low Earth orbit. I think it'll keep going, growing out from there. And just quickly on the government side. Uh, sort of the same idea, you know, this is something that's going to be – commercial space is going to be useful to our government partners. They should pay attention to it. It's not going to solve every challenge that the government's looking to solve. Uh, these are not exquisite capabilities like the government has, but they are things that can be useful to, to our government. So we should, we should pay attention from that
0: standpoint. Tom, Kevin, where can our listeners learn more? Websites, blogs, resources online that you recommend just generally about space?
1: So, so in line with all the activities happening right now, there are all sorts of different resources cropping up as well. Um, there's a database right now that's got I think something like seven thousand commercial space companies, uh, loosely defined. It's called New Space Ventures. That's out there. Um, space News is a, a website that's always been a, a, a well done and and is really on top of the commercial side. Um, there are a variety of different vendors that track this from a um, you know from an equity research standpoint or just kind of a market research standpoint. So there's a lot of resources out there right now that are that are uh, only growing.
0: Great. That's great. Gentlemen, I'd like to thank you both for your time today. Certainly appreciate you filling us and our listeners in on uh, the state of affairs when it comes to commercial space. Thank you to our sound engineer, John, and our producer, Kristen. And if you'd like to learn more about InQtel podcasts, please visit us at www.iqt.org under News and Resources. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.